Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in, stopping by. Hey, and if this is your first time, I want to say just a very special welcome. Thank you so much for for tuning in. I hope you get so much out of today's episode. In fact, I know you will. Uh, And if you're new with us, please go back, listen to all the other episodes. They're really, really powerful. Many with guests, many with just me teaching on the Supernatural really just to to help your leadership become a lot more supernatural in whatever sphere you find yourself in. So thank you so much. Subscribe. Don't forget, rate, review. It helps get the podcast out on all platforms, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're listening or watching or listening from Charisma or uh, iTunes or whatever other, Google, Google Play, whatever platform you find yourself on, please rate, review, and share this with your friends. And don't forget, subscribe to our new youtube channel where a lot of these videos get up there and other engaging content so really want to encourage you to do that as well today we have a very special guest on with us that we're gonna we're gonna go deep today i feel like today's gonna be a deep day so get ready buckle up your seat belts before i bring him on i'm just gonna read a little bit about him so it gives you a little bit of an introduction of who we're about to bring on today his name is justin allen And he actually is in the Nashville, Tennessee area now. And he is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and advisor to leaders in every arena. He has become a friend, encourager, and counselor to individuals in all walks of life. Justin has ministered the kingdom, preaching, prophesying, counseling, training, and equipping in over 10 nations, over 30 states, more than 50 cities, and upwards of 60 conferences globally with miracles, signs and wonders, healings and deliverance following all before the age of 35. Justin's heart is to see the kingdom released in all nations and people restored through pure and powerful prophetic ministry. And so Justin Allen, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. So good to have you. You know, you you and I, uh, just for the listeners out there, we met, I believe, probably like I want to say five years ago or four years ago at the Love Coalition, which was yes. a, a network of relationships that we were connected with, um, uh, with ministries all around the world, really, but mm-hmm. that gathered in the LA area. Yeah. And I think we, I don't know, the last two years before it stopped, before the pandemic, I think you were there, or what was it the last year before the pandemic you were there? I don't remember now. It was, it was 2019, and then the world went crazy. I think we bumped into each other in Sao Paulo at the Send. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so you yeah. that was your first time at the Love Call then in 2019. Yes. That was my introduction. Oh, <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, man, who's this guy? He's fit, got tattoos, got nice shoes. Who's this new guy? Who is he? Because <laughs> we had been going there for like, 10, I think, 10 uh, that time, maybe eight or nine years, 10 years. I don't know what it was. And uh, so it's always awesome to meet new faces. And so, yeah. yeah, I'm so excited, man. I know we didn't probably connect that much. I know we just met. But then, yes, I do remember, you know, the send. What a what a wild time eh, oh, in Brazil. And, and then the pandemic happened. I don't know about you, man, but I almost positive I got COVID after <laughs> after that 60,000, you know, member stadium <laughs> event. You know, I, I came back. I was like. 
I had the flu from hell. And oh my you, I goodness! Was in like, yeah, it was crazy. And then, and then a month later, it's like the world shuts down. I think I dodged the bullet for a good while with that one, but I, I'm surprised that I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Hey, I'm I'm excited to talk today, and uh, we got some exciting things to to chat about. Um, I want to before we go into some of the topics and content of where I think we should go and could go today, bring us into a little bit. And I read your bio, but bring the listeners, bring me. I want to learn more about you uh, into your origin story. Like, why <laughs> is the supernatural important for you and your leadership? Because it's not important for everybody in their leadership. You know, they might be yeah. good principal-led leaders. Like, you know, they go to all the leadership conferences. Those are all great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. But why is the supernatural for you important? And what happened to bring you to that place within your leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, thank you for asking for me, it was, I was raised in a very conservative religious paradigm. So I was a Baptist, Southern Baptist. And for 20 odd years of my life, I didn't know that God would speak outside of the framework of scripture. So we, you know, we talk about the Trinity and most religious circles, we have father, son, and Holy spirit, but where I came from, it was father, son, and Holy Bible. And I have a great value for theology and a study of the word, but I had a radical encounter with the Lord around the age of 20. Uh, where he encountered me outside of my grid and my box. And I, with that came some some audible hearings, some deep knowings uh, from the voice of God, things that I thought were off limits. And the Holy wow. Spirit really began to lead me on a journey that was profound. And he spoke to me very clearly. And I felt like I was behind uh, behind the curve, right? I was like, all these years, I thought that I'd read, study, know in a cerebral type of way. That's the only way I could know the Lord. And now it's like all of a sudden, all the lights turned on and I'm having dreams, visions, experiences, this, that, and the other. And uh, I dedicated myself, whether it was overtly or subconsciously to knowing, hearing, and perceiving the voice of the Lord, right? Uh, we can we can hear the, the voice of the Lord. We can also see it. So for me, um, I've always gravitated towards leadership. I've always been in leadership. So it was just a practical step of if I can now hear the voice of God, then how can I package it and represent it to leaders? And right. if I am a leader, not only just telling people, but training and equipping them to see, hear, and perceive in a way that's practical and palatable for the masses. So it's great that I have visions, dreams, and encounters, but how can I repackage that in a language and a verbiage that people can understand and benefits them in very practical ways? So that's kind of like the initiation. And then That's from awesome. there, I've been able to do that, you know, all over the world in various capacities, not just in churches and ministries, but in businesses and corporations with artists and entertainers, um, people in Wall Street, you know, like all of these various things, because the voice of the Lord is one of the most relevant things on the planet. It's, it's never, um, it's never like not cool to hear the voice of God. So there's always a demand placed on individuals who can see, hear and perceive what God is doing. That's awesome. I know that it sounds like you you are passionate about really helping people, you know, recognize the voice of God. That's that's our whole mission. I love mm. I love that. I mean, I don't think there is a supernatural life without the voice True. of God guiding us. So how can we even be led by the Spirit mm. if we're not hearing his communication, recognizing his communication to us every day? Yeah. I mean, Romans 8 verse 14 says it like, you know, those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Yes. Like our identity is affirmed in our ability to be mm. led every day. How can we be led? Well, we have to hear, recognize John 5, 19, I only do what I see my, my father doing. I, 
how do we know? How do we do that? Well, we have to hear and recognize. And so I'm passionate about this. I know you are too. And so you, in, in light of this though, you wrote a new book, just yes. released it October 15th worldwide. Mm -hmm. It's called Confessions of a Young Prophet. And I read a little bit of the excerpt. I'm just going to read it here. It says this, Confessions of a Young Prophet is my love letter to an emerging prophetic generation. It is the compilation of years of tears, warfare, encounter, blessing, rebuke, and loss woven together in the fear of the Lord by the Spirit of God. And it's your prayer. It says this in the excerpt. In the excerpt. It is my prayer that within these pages of this book, you meet the God that has sustained me through every season. I, I like the verbiage you chose there you mentioned years of tears warfare loss rebuke blessing can we elaborate that can we go a little bit deeper and just also before we dive into that piece what is the overall vision of this book like what is your yeah. goal in writing this book yeah so it's it's a very unique project to be honest with you and i felt the lord told me to write it somewhere around eight or nine years ago said one day you know, i want you to keep track of these things because one day people will read this and it will encourage them and essentially, I sat down and said, if I could speak to myself in 10, 15 years, presuming or assuming it would all be all right and make sense, what would I say to me? And uh, it's actually a collection of stories, uh, misadventures, this, that, and the other. And it's broken down topically, so it's not written like your typical prophetic theological book. It could almost be broken down into 12 podcast sections okay. and segments. Cool. So you could pick this book apart depending on what season of life you happen to be in. And my goal is that you feel seen, heard, known, and loved by the Lord, love and that. also comforted by the fact that the place you happen to be in, you're not alone in it. Or if you are alone currently, others have navigated it successfully and lived to tell about it. So one of the primary things I've experienced throughout the course of my journey in life, leadership, the prophetic, is this feeling of being the black sheep or isolated or alone by myself, not understood. And it's kind of the condition of the prophets, but there is a company of prophets just on the other side of the season. You happen to be, your, uh, you find yourself in uh, and God's faithful to walk you through. So that's kind of the goal is, is I want that to be the case for people who feel um, like they have a prophetic disposition. And for those who don't, the rest of the world, you probably have a prophetic person in your circle and maybe reading this with fresh eyes would give you the ability to maybe have empathy, compassion, or greater understanding for prophetic people. There's a lot of pastors and apostolic friends that I have, or even just like in the business circles, there's, you know, your gift call and anointing is not relegated to the church, but sometimes prophetic people are easily misunderstood. And I feel like if people read this, you may have an understanding on maybe the mind or the soul of a prophet and how they view the world around them. So you could love them a little, little better, maybe. I love that. I love that. So Let's dive into like some of the tears and warfare and loss and mm -hmm. rebuke that you kind of highlight in this expert. What in this excerpt? What what was that for you? It's it's a lot of things, right? Everybody, regardless of what you what lane you find yourself in or what your call and anointing is, um, or you know area of expertise, you're gonna have struggles. You're gonna have failures. You're gonna have successes, the highs, the lows, all of the stuff. For me, the interesting thing about the prophetic is God tells you the end of the story from the beginning with no regard for where you happen to be currently. The middle. So the prophetic the middle. <laughs> in the middle, that liminal space, right? The in-between. 
And it's so funny because the word itself, what he says about, he'll introduce an idea that we never thought about, tell us he's going to give us something we never wanted. Somewhere in that, it gives us a, a taste or an appetite for our destiny called anointing. But man, there will be a test. There will be trials, tribulations, a dark night of the soul, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as the Bible calls it, that will bring about purification, testing, pressure testing, trying, squeeze the good stuff out of us to see if we really believe that word about our life. Mm -hmm. So interesting that the language in James talks about count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your yeah. faith produces maturity or perfection is a word that's even used. There's something about the test will bring about what was always in you in seed form, but it, ca it causes it to rise to the surface. So for me, the heartache, the disappointment, the irritation, the frustration, while I didn't like it and it was unpleasant, it taught me things about myself that God already knew that I needed to know. know. And it was actually areas of my weakness and my humanity and carnality, dare I say that word, that God wanted to meet me in to see his power released in my life. Uh, we oftentimes, we like to mute or or cover or like, you know, put a filter on the human elements of ourselves because we think God doesn't want that. And the reality is he, 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 he died and bled on a cross for you and I, not just the good parts of us, but the bad parts. And he wants to redeem them through his grace. And sometimes we want to hide that stuff. And the Lord's like, I want to bring this to the center, yeah. bring it actually as a center focus because it elevates my ability and not yours. So for me, there was something about the crushing and there was something about this coming through varying degrees, right? We sometimes we equate uh, in Western thought, we say, oh, well, suffering equals punishment or something bad. But the truth of the gospel is um, from Genesis to Revelation, we, we see that suffering is a reality that we will engage in. And as we do that with Christ, there is an eternal reward. So suffering is not a, dis a disciplinary reality. It's actually just an invitation to this Christian life without yeah. getting too wordy. Um, the Christian life is about a cross and us getting on that cross daily and dying a thousand deaths so that we could see this revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that if we'll in embrace our cross, then others will be introduced to salvation. I love that. So I'm assuming you share stories in these chapters about like yeah. things that have happened. Should, get, bring us into some like some Absolutely. of your, some of your loss or, or how you mm -hmm. navigated it because we're, well, mm -hmm. I mean, the, I, lo I love the book title, Confessions yeah. of a Young Prophet. Now, some may yeah. think, oh, he's going to confess all, <laughs> kinds of, all kinds of crazy skeletons in the closet. But yeah. what what are some of these confessions, I mean, in story form? Yeah, absolutely. So in the book, I go in depth to a season of my my wife and I, our marriage of uh, slander, betrayal, and accusation. Ooh, no, no Christian leader likes to talk about that um, until it's like 20 years behind them. But what would it look like if as supernatural leaders – we were able to be honest and transparent in our process and that yeah, even though we're experiencing struggles, it doesn't necessarily disqualify us, but how do we as living sacrifices stay on the altar? So it's interesting because confession has dual meanings. It means I either confess to a crime or they're the tenets of what I believe. My confessions are, I believe these things. So in this, I'm kind of sharing, hey, these are my confessions about what went on in my life that didn't see the light of day and also them being held in tension with what I believe to be true about the gospel. But it's funny when we, when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, something's going to give. 
and in this deconstruction of the the human human parts of yourself like i want to believe this thing but i'm faced with this impossible reality god are you still who i thought you were when i you know when you told me these things so um in our marriage we experienced some some serious problems uh, with betrayal slander accusation i go in depth of how we overcame that um, by believing the truth of the gospel that even when it didn't look like sound like feel like you know, the God of hope will meet you in those dark nights of the soul. And even when you can't, he can see, I had this complex man where I, I believe that somehow in this prophetic thing that I had to make the word come to pass. And I think if we're honest, anybody who has a relationship with the prophetic believes to some degree, we have our hands on it, but sometimes actually the Lord will render you completely ineffective and useless just to show you that he didn't need you in it. He wants you. He wants to have relationship. He loves you dearly. And there's something liberating. You don't hear a lot of prophetic people talking about this. You don't hear a lot of leaders, but you have to come to the end of yourself and not just like, oh, it was bad. Like you actually have to come to the end of yourself uh, to realize that he's sufficient sometimes. And it removes this performance or I've got to check the boxes for God to bless me thing. And I think when we come out of death, you know, the Bible talks about death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? And it's not that we'll avoid death. It's that we enter into it and we, we realize there's resurrection power in death. So yeah, uh, there's some of that. There's some leadership uh, faux pas and things that happen. Like if you've been a leader in ministry, you're going to get hurt. And if you've been a prophetic person, you're going to experience rejection. You're going to experience uh, what it is to come to the people you love and are called to and did not go the way that you thought. Well, what are you going to do as a believer or a prophetic yeah. person on the other side of failure? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I think, you know, slander, you mentioned slander. You guys went through mm -hmm. a season of that and accusation and yes. whether it's false accusation or just accusation in general. But, mm -hmm. you know, th those those seasons, I mean, they hurt more, especially when they're people that you've invested in or yes. you've had at some time or at some point in your life in your inner circle. Mm -hmm. I find that they, they hurt less when it's outsiders in the sense of like, you don't have relationship with them. It stings sure. differently when there's a connection or there was a connection for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think in those seasons, like I think about what Jesus did at the last supper and he, mm -hmm. he gave thanks on the oh, yeah. night he was about to be betrayed. He was like so good. able in the midst of betrayal, even though he knew his, his guy, his money man mm -hmm. was going to do the deed of betrayal. He he chose yeah. him. He chose him and he chose the betrayer. He even chose him. Like, I, I actually believe this, that there are people that that almost like we need in our life. Hey, everyone, before we continue we're on. We're going to end up doing these things. Mm -hmm. And they're a part of us growing as leaders. Absolutely. And not everybody is also going to be with you for life. And True. yet Jesus was able to say on the night he was betrayed, he gave mm -hmm. thanks. I think Thanksgiving is one of the greatest tools to get us out of ourselves and yeah. get us out of the the hurt and woundedness yes. of betrayal, of be having a thankful heart. And Joseph did this. Joseph yeah. was able to look at his brothers over two decades later after he was totally betrayed. And uh -huh. And thrown in a pit, and every part of his identity destroyed. Literally, family thought he was dead. And yet, mm. over two decades later, when when his family was in need and they recognized him and they wept before him, he was able to look at his brothers and say, "You didn't send me here. Yeah, 
God sent me here to save you. So good. And to me, that's like a sign of like, I am so thankful for all of the junk. I'm thankful <laughs> for all of the betrayal. I'm thankful yeah. for what Jesus did on the night he's, he's betrayed, he gave thanks. I'm thankful for all the loss, all the hard seasons, because mm. it's in all of that that I'm actually able to be and do what I'm called to do mm -hmm. and who I'm called to be. And so, but in that season, I mean, in those, those moments, like when you're in the middle, like you mentioned it, yeah, it's like Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. He didn't say, let's cross over, stop in the middle, freak out, almost die because we're going to hit a storm. He just said, yeah. let's cross over to the other side. He, like you said, he gave them the entry point. This is the first step. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to mm -hmm. move. Gave yeah. them the end, the end. He said, we're going to cross over to the other side. He didn't say we're going to cross over and see what happens. Yeah. But we're going to make it to the other side. But in the middle is where they got lost. That's where we get lost. We get yeah. lost in the middle. When you're in it, it's hard to see, man. It's hard to see and be thankful and see the good that's going to come out of it. The redemptive purpose I was just preaching yesterday about Romans 8, 28, okay. about how all things mm -hmm. come together and work together. The word is like synergized together. <laughs> For the yeah. good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And it's all things. It's not just yeah. good. It's not just the the semi-good, the satisfactory. It's the bad. It's the ugly. Yeah. My God is able to be so redemptive. Yes. This is what makes a supernatural leader a supernatural leader in the end is when they can navigate these waters well. Yes. My God, to see God like the God who synergizes all the stuff, good, bad, and ugly together, mm -hmm. and actually brings some form of benefit to us. But often we don't see it until after it's all done. So in the process, you have a chapter in your book that uh, is entitled Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. What yeah. did you do? In these, I know you didn't really mention specifically like a story, which I'd love to hear. Like what what yeah. specifically took place? Mm -hmm. You were more general with it, which is totally fine. Yeah, yeah. What what was some of the things you did in those hard seasons to strengthen yourself in God? I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called the Voice of God module. I would encourage you head over to supernaturalleadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new supernatural leadership journey. Yeah, so so for context, when you're under slander, false accusation, betrayal, um, it, it's so interesting because none of it's true, but it feels true and it's being projected against you. And depending on who it's in the mouth of, like you said, with betrayal, it, it requires someone who's close, um, like the Judas or, or like... Uh, Peter or like the denying, you know, the the one who you said you were going to die for, yeah. like that is a close personal situation. And like you said, Jesus held the bread up, he blessed it, and then he broke it. So I would remind people that if you've asked to be blessed, you've asked to be broken Love and everything that. he yeah. blesses, he Come breaks. On. Yeah, and he yeah, took yeah. that. He said, this is my body, but it's also your job to do the same thing. And he distributes it. Um, so that. in this season, um, that we dealt with my wife and I, we worked through this, we're, we're healed and whole and in process moving together, but my wife had made some false accusations about me, um, that were not true. And it really compromised me as a minister of the gospel. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not, if someone that's close to you in that degree says it. So I found myself in a situation where I was being sat down for something that I did not do. And I was, there was swirl in the air and the closest people to me were saying things or distancing themselves. I felt very isolated. I felt very alone. And a lot of my conversations with the Lord were, um, what did I do wrong? You know, and again, 
suffering as a punishment for something I did wrong. And it wasn't the case because it wasn't a disobedience. It wasn't an issue of sin or glaring indiscretion. It wasn't that. It was just uh, false witness and stuff like that. And I remember I was driving my car one day and I was so angry about injustice, all the situations of beating my fist on the steering wheel. Lord, what is going on? And he, he whispered like so clearly. And if you've been in a season where you haven't heard the Lord for a minute and he gives you a clear reference, you should be afraid. Uh, and he said, this is your Luke 22 season. And I said, what? Wow. He said, it's your Luke 22 season. And I was like, oh God, what's in Luke 22? I haven't been reading it. You know, it's not committed to memory. And as I went through Luke 22, Luke 22 is where Judas betrayed Jesus. It's where he went on trial and all these people, the sinless lamb of God. Uh, went on trial and people lined up in the wee hours of the morning to make up stories about him. And he went like a lamb to the slaughter, said nothing. He was blindfolded. He was beaten. Um, all of the soul wounds, all of the trauma, betrayal, all this went, that Jesus went through is in Luke 22. And he said, I bore in my physical body uh, the, the pain, the duress, the sweat like drops of blood that he experienced in Gethsemane is also Luke 22. So it's all of the emotional soul wounds before he ever went to the cross. Now, I'm a good Baptist. We preach about the suffering, the cat of nine tails, the, the scourging, the nails. We preach about that, but we don't talk about the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions that he had to submit. Remember, he's in the garden. He said, God, if it's possible, I don't actually want to do this, but I'll submit my will to you because I trust you. And the Bible says that I actually pleased the father to bruise the son, not because he's a, a an awful father, but because there was something that was taking place that was bigger than the moment, right? Yeah. So you, you talk about strengthening yourself in the Lord. I use the story of David coming back from battle and what he was supposed to do. And their family, their homeland has been pillaged and everything's destroyed. And he obeyed the Lord and his people turn against him and they want to kill him. And it's so interesting that he didn't do anything wrong. He did what he was supposed to do. It's the closest people are turning on him. And it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And the Lord really had me in this for, when, be honest with you, years, uh, where everything was stripped away. Spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, ministries, titles, all these things, my marriage, my family, all this stuff being stripped away to where I was just alone with the Lord. And I'm telling you, you want to talk about supernatural leadership, you cannot lead people where you haven't been your, yourself. I believe this. Now, I, I understand that we can always aspire to go greater and do further, but there are deep spiritual leadership principles that we must get in our DNA, yeah. our mind, will, and emotion. So uh, the Lord used actually isolation to heal me of my fear of abandonment wow. and my fear of being left alone. And it was something that I needed to, like you said, the, the, the worst season of my life, also the most fruitful and best season of my life. So he delivered me um, from my enemies by delivering me to my enemies in some regards. Wow. Oh, I love that. He delivered you from your enemies by delivering you to them. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I talk a lot about this. I think like we, we, you know, our ego, our ego dies in seasons like that. Yes. Our, our false identities die so things that we find identity in mm. that in the end don't bring really any value to our life that we thought once did has to die all these things die in those seasons and mm -hmm. um you know we really really see what's left when we go through seasons of loss i i know for me like some of the greatest seasons of loss they, there are some painful seasons yes and yeah. i don't necessarily want to go back to them but mm -hmm. i'm thankful for them yes i'm thankful for them because 
I being able the only way you're going to be able to navigate a painful season in any form mm. is by really knowing and seeing God's purpose within the pain. Yes. And you only are able to see God's purpose within the pain when you are able to recognize his voice in the process, which is what we're talking about, presence-led leadership. I mean, you cannot navigate these storms of life and come out stronger mm. if you really can't let, if you don't let Jesus be the center of them. Yes. We get so hyper-focused on the problems. Yeah. And we forget that there's a person mm-hmm. that's bigger and above all of those problems. And if okay. he's the one leading us within them, we will get through it. And mm-hmm. in those weak times, we'll find strength. You know, I, I think about what Paul said about in my weakness, I, I, I am stronger. Mm-hmm. God will make me stronger in my, in my weakness, you know? And yeah. I had to learn this very early on because it, you know, from, from the age of five, I had a severe speech impediment and I mm-hmm. went to spirit, uh, speech therapy for it. And oh, wow. I always said, I'll never talk behind a mic. Like mm-hmm. that was something that I would never do. Like yeah. speeches, getting up in front of people, public speaking was like, I was a drummer. I'm like a background guy. I'm like, yeah. I am totally cool with always being at that space in that mm-hmm. place, you know? And then I gave my life to Jesus, 18, have this encounter. I still thought that way. I'm like, I'll do like the spiritual stuff for music and I'll, I'll travel, I'll do worship and, you know, we'll try. And I did that. But then on my baptism, it was about three months later after I gave my life to Jesus, Jesus healed me of my speech impediment. Wow. And it's like, all I do now is speak. And it's like, I see God's strength in a, in a place where I used to be weak. And I feel Mm. like the reason why God, God allows or does this stuff and, and, and comes into our weaknesses is to make sure that we don't get the glory because in the end people will see us and be like, man, that's not him. Like that's not Sean. Like Mm -hmm. that must be God. It's like, Justin, he, he, there's no way he could have navigated that season and came out stronger. Like it must be God. Like, absolutely. And we need these seasons because parts of us die. Like, don't you agree? Parts, big parts of us die. Well, you said too, like, it's a death to the ego that we don't know that we have. Like most of us think that we're good, honestly, and we're not. And this kind of, like false accusation, slander and betrayal will get you in touch with areas of pride. You did not know were existing in your life because the reality is if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, oldest passed away. He's making all things new, but we also lay aside our rights and our entitlements when we do that. So we don't, we're dead. A dead man does not get offended. A dead man doesn't clap back. You know, a dead man doesn't, you know, at somebody in the comments when they're getting slandered. A dead man can't be canceled. That's exactly right. Let's go. It's already dead. (laughs) But, but it'll, it's humility and humiliation are one in the same. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes we think we're above humiliation. And the truth is Jesus was humiliated. He deserved nothing that he did nothing that he did. So this fellowship of his sufferings does include the Luke 22. It does include that for you and I. And we say, you know, as he is in this world, so are we miracles, signs, wonders, healing, and deliverance, praise God. But also Luke 22 is an option and not only an option, it's in the fine print. You're going to go through it if you say yes. And we, as humans in our human condition, we say, oh, I don't like pain. I don't like discomfort. I don't like to be uncomfortable, but the Lord knows that there's something beautiful about those things that will prune us so that there is something fruitful on the other side. But it's so there's a difference between somebody who's an, uh, a skilled preacher or teacher and someone who's walked through something. 
and has come out on the other side with authority. It's like Jesus went to death, hell, and the grave, but he came back with the keys. And I think many of us, we preach, we're, when we preach, we're writing checks or, you know, we can't cash. And, and it's once we've <laughs> like actually walked too. through it, yeah. it's a different level of authority. When I could tell you that I went through a season of six, six months or better, where I was having multiple panic attacks a week. I wanted to kill myself. I was suicidal. Now I'm a prophet to nations. I'm safe, sanctified, you know, love Jesus. And I'm in this situation that I can't figure out for the life of me. And I wasn't like, you know, hitting them out of the park when I was in that season, I was just holding on. I was doing my best to strengthen myself in the Lord, but I made it through the other side. So now when I talk to the young leader, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, CEO, CFO, whatever, and they're like, you don't understand. I'm like, actually, I may not know your story exactly, but I have been there and I made it through the other side. And I can tell you confidently, it won't always be this way. And the same God who began a good work in you or gave you that word will see you through to completion. And it doesn't hinge on your ability. Now, that's a that's a confidence only a dead man can have um, that that I am useless apart from him. But connected to him, I'm telling you, there can be power and breakthrough in your life. And this power of the testimony is not that everything works out beautifully the way we wanted it to. It means that God had something better in the cards for me than I could have imagined. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Um, what he has in store for those who love him. And there's a confidence, man. I, I I will tell you, I don't feel very confident. I don't feel like I'm the most qualified. I'm going to walk with a limp for the rest of my life. However, I wrestled with God and I'm, I, I live to tell about it. And that there's something different wow. on those people. I love that. I, I love that. I, you know, I, back in the day when we, when we had a building for our church community we lost a building seven years ago but we had a building we did a lot of conferences a lot of conferences and i get in the back room with these guys that i really looked up to like really well-known people that you would also probably know and i get back i'd i'd sit back at my favorite thing wasn't the conference it was always the green room with these guys because some of them like their genuine brokenness i could mm. just feel like breakthrough in my own life just yeah. by hearing the brokenness mm of these individuals and how they've navigated yeah. these seasons of their life, but they weren't like egotistical. They weren't trying to like impress. Mm. They just it, it were like the love wow. was like emanating and the light was emanating through. I look at it like almost like a cracked pot. Wow. You know, if you put light in a cracked pot and there are still hairline fractures, you can see the light through the cracks. Wow. And it was like, I get with these guys and I would feel and see the light mm. through these cracks. I'm like, man, you've been cracked, but you're, You've been put back together again. Like, this is what it looks like. Yeah, you might be, there might be vulnerability, which is like a pot that's cracked. It's still vulnerable. It might crack mm -hmm. again, you know? Yeah. But you can see there's a beauty in the light that comes through these cracks. And mm -hmm. I would just, you know, and then obviously I had the other experience where it was like the, you know, the the ego in the, yeah. in the green room and stuff. But but I was just, I, I remember, and I this year, it's funny because this year, the beginning of this year, I shared a word with our church. And I said, one of the things I really feel um, that God wants us to 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 be aware of, and He's what He told me too. He said, "Don't trust leaders that haven't been broken." Yeah, mm -hmm. and I I think, okay. and it's it's not to say that like you can't trust the leader that because you I mean how how do you know like how do you qualify what level of brokenness they've been through? Because if you've yeah. been through, someone told me once a pastor uh, in the U.S. said to me, "You're not a real pastor until you've been a senior pastor for seven years." <laughs> I don't know. And I'm about I'm that. like I'm like really interesting. But I'm serious. When yeah. I hit the seven-year mark as a lead pastor, yeah. I was like, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because you have to navigate in those, in that time, that's enough time where you've been through some cycles. If you've been yes. in church culture, you've been yeah. through some statistical cycles yeah. that happen in every church culture. And you've True. been through enough things to say like, man, if I'm still standing after year seven, so good. I mean, I, I the U.S. is probably different. I know Canada, but it's probably very similar. Like, yeah, between six months and two years is the average youth pastor. Mm -hmm. I think between two and five years is the average, like lead pastor or just like staff pastor. Yeah, uh, people just bounce around because they yeah. they. I don't think I think sometimes yes, there's like legitimate reasons why people bounce mm -hmm. around, but so much of it too though is we don't like the brokenness. We don't like yeah. navigating brokenness and not quitting. Yeah. while we're being broken and even so the word good. breakthrough you don't have a breakthrough unless you are something's yeah. breaking like there yeah. is a breaking in every breakthrough so you know i i love i love what you're saying and i i i want to encourage everyone out there to you know make sure you 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 lean into the people in your life mm. that you know have been broken and have made it through because those are the ones you really want encouragement from yeah. because Absolutely. they're still standing paul encourages yeah. timothy to like still stand to persevere. He encourages Timothy. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race and I hope you do the same thing. Yeah. Well, your value system shifts in those moments too, when you're actually in it. Cause, um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a difference between wise counsel and like unsolicited commentary. And you gotta be very careful about like who you allow to speak into your life. But when you're in the breaking, there are people will come to you almost with a little bit of arrogance or, or pompous spirit that want to give you solutions to get you out quick. And then there are other people that you don't deem as holy, spiritual or authoritative that will come and sit with you. And then they'll talk after a long time. My value system for leaders and voices in my life changed because what I used to view as strength was I couldn't see them walk with a limp. I didn't see any of the stuff. Now we look for the ones with a limp. Yeah. John Wimber would say, I don't trust anyone who doesn't walk with a limp. Right. Wow. And that means they've wrestled with God and they've been broken and they live to tell about it. So um, it'll change your value system. And when, when that begins to change, your whole life will change, but that's also part of the process that the Lord will allow you to experience what you deem is good leadership or, or good people around you. And he'll sift your circle. You gave him permission to, when you called him Lord and savior. Yeah. He saved you, but he's also Lord. So it means at ah, your friends, will get filtered through the lens of grace. And sometimes who's around you that you would choose is not who the Lord would choose through you. And surrendering uh, those layers and those levels is a big deal. You mentioned with pastoral leadership and authority, there's a seven year mark and there's like a running theme, like within prophets that I know um, because that's kind of my circle. And, and some of my mentors, they say it takes between 10 and 15 years to build a prophet. Like, yes, you're called by God, but it takes that long. And I used to bug me and I'm young, I'm 36, uh, not as young as I used to be, but relatively young for prophetic circles. And I've been in this for a long time, hence the book title. It's kind of funny, but um, it, it is true. The longer that you're in this, like, it's funny what I used to think was a big battle now, because I'm like, oh, that's just Tuesday now. you know. <laughs> and as I've had a little bit of age on me and more and more gray in here, I don't know if it's- I got more gray than you do though. I got more <laughs> just a little bit, you're wiser than I am. <laughs> but you, you, it recalibrates life. And what I used to think was a short time or a long time has been recalibrated by the Lord. I'm not afraid to wait now. I used to be very urgency driven and behind, like I felt like I was behind. Now I'm like, okay, Lord, there's purpose in this and I trust you more in it, which is kind of wow. the goal. Wow. Yeah. I love that, man. 
Come on. I really love that. It's, I feel like the theme of this combo is we've been about the power of breaking, the power of the yes. breaking. Really, there's so much power. I know that. I know your book probably goes a lot deeper into that. And mm. and um, you know, the book. I, I'm I'm going to assume I'm making assumptions. I haven't read the book yet, mm. but I'm going to assume that the the book is not just for people that think they are or believe they are a prophet. Absolutely. Really, this book can relate to anybody um, in any sphere, any kind of leader. Would you agree? A a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so like, give us, give us, as we kind of transition here, give us some, not just takeaways, but activations like what? Okay. I know, I know we didn't necessarily do like a play by play teaching, Mm -hmm. but what are some things that you've learned over the years that you can give the listeners as a practical tool to activate going and growing through the seasons of breaking in their life? Like what can they do practically yeah. each and every day to keep their head on straight yes. while they're in this hard season and make it through? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. And I think to to really drive a stake in the ground and make it extremely practical. Um, I have uh, been in teaching, training, and equipping prophetic types all around the world for years, for a very long time now. And almost without competition, the number one issue I see in people who are prophets, and this answer is not just for prophetic people, but I'm going to give use a use this as a as a big point. Like actual people who are called the prophets miss timing more than anything else, which is crazy because that's what they're called to do technically is be a discerner of the times and seasons, and timing is the number one place we err. So I would say that if prophets do, then the general populace also misses this more than anything else. So what I say is don't be too quick to name or frame a season that you don't fully understand. This is a huge deal for a leader because we will label a painful season before it's complete, finished, shown the fruit of what it was intended to do in our lives. And we will limit what we have the capacity to glean from it. Does this make sense? And I would tell people to pause and wait on the Lord. The Bible is so clear. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Two fatal flaws in prophetic people or leaders in general is we assume or presume. We always assume that we know this means this or we presume to already understand. And when it comes to the voice of the Lord or as it pertains to hearing his voice, when he says something, we will add, we will fill in the blanks, we will make it more robust, or we'll think, oh, I don't like what you said, so I'm going to add to it, or I assume that he said this, so it means this, or I presume that when he says this, it means this, and in reality, he will bring us a word, and we will need to sit with that for a long time, so I'd say, hey, if you feel like you have uh, something from God, give it 14 days before you label it. That sounds like super simple, but I promise you it'll test the fiber of your being, I had a dream. I had a vision. I felt like the Lord relayed this to me through scripture. Sit on it for 14 days before you tell anybody about it, before you share it with your your, your leadership team, before you share it with your congregation and ask the Lord to teach you about what he told you. And I promise you, he will show you things and bring out truths and realities that you never could have found on your own. But there's something about the waiting. There's something about the patience and the understanding that I am simply holding this from the Lord and stewarding it. And he will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes in due season. 
I know it's simple. It's not sexy. It's not over the top, the top, but wait, 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 be intentional to wait on the Lord and watch what he can do with your time. I promise you there'll be an exponential increase in breakthrough in your life and discernment in revelation and understanding, even for leaders that are talking, you're in council situations all the time. You will be a better leader. You will be a better counselor. You will be a better mouthpiece. If you can simply listen, wait and speak when spoken to. That's really good. I think waiting is, is, is huge. And I think for me, when I've received hard words, Mm -hmm. whether from God or from God through people, yeah, it's easy to be very reactionary yes. initially. And I know for me, my process has been, if I'm like, I feel like there's a directive mm-hmm. that's coming to me through, let's say somebody or, or from God. I, I've learned over the, over the time to process it through the waiting. And waiting is not just like I'm waiting in my, my room, like, uh, hey passive, God, yeah. what's the next confirmation? Like, wait mm-hmm. for this word. Like, no, I'm, I'm actively waiting by going about my life. I'm continuing yes. to move forward. I'm continuing to advance. And just believing that the thing in time will make sense if it yes. doesn't make sense right now. But mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't excuse me from pursuing God for understanding. Yeah. It doesn't, pers- doesn't excuse me from getting on my knees and still talking about it. I don't necessarily believe in the whole and we say it, we say this like passing in cliche and prophetic circles, like just put it on the shelf. Like yeah. I don't necessarily believe that's the best illustration, although I get it's kind of like yeah. semantics in the end. I get the premise of it. Yeah. I believe like holding it. But holding it loosely and walking yeah. with it and just continuing to walk with it. And eventually, yeah, uh, you know what? One day I might just pick my, pull my hand up. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I remember this. This makes yeah. sense now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's often how things unfold. It's like you ask for wisdom, believe you've received it. And sometimes yes. wisdom doesn't come like a lightning bolt. No. It just comes out of your mouth at the right time. Certainly- you don't even know when you got it other than when you asked for it, probably. Yeah. And you didn't even know you had it, but you manifested it at the right time okay. when you needed it. I think that's often how wisdom happens. So I love that. Let's, let's do that in the season. All the listeners out there, I encourage you think of some of those things that have come at you to you in this last season and just say, Hey, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to write them down and mm. give them time. I'm not going to forget about them, Yeah, but I'm going to wait on them and wait for them. Now, just as we close, Justin, give us um, some information on where we can get your new book. Yeah. So it's available on Amazon. You just type in confessions of a young prophet on Amazon. It's available worldwide. Uh, there's Kindle ebook option and physical copies. And yeah, you could order it right now if you wanted to. Awesome. And they can follow you on social media. Yeah. We'll put all the information in the description. What's your social social, yeah, so the social media handle? Yeah. It's, it? it's Justin Allen official uh, at Instagram. And that's my primary way that I connect with everybody. I've got all the things, YouTube, Facebook, and all that, you can check me out. Why don't you tell the listeners what your handle used to be? It used to be Beardzilla. <laughs> it used to be Beardzilla, and I would have people weekly ask me, try to buy it from me, and I wouldn't. And in this last season, the Lord said, Beardzilla's dead, so get rid of it. So I had to surrender Beardzilla to the Lord. I put him on the <laughs> altar, right? Except I remember I first met, like I first met you, I'm like looking for you. I'm like, where's Justin Allen on social media? It's like, <laughs> I think eventually I'm like, that looks like him. Oh, Beardzilla. Okay, Okay, cool. James Gall borderline rebuked me because I did a live with him one time. He's like, I was looking for Justin and here's this Beardzilla character. He's like, you need to change your name. Is it because you had a a beard? I had an amazing beard. beard. I used to have, I used to be Beardzilla. 
Um, really? But, oh, that's why. So what happened? You, you cut the beard off and then. Yeah, I just got tired of it, man. It was probably like five years of, you know, pretty gnarly. It was back in the Duck Dynasty season when everybody was trying to do oh. the beard thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's why I did it, but I had a big beard too. I have to say I had a big, my wife hated it, but my goal was I was trying to get on this, like I was trying to get on this, like um, really well-known beard man brand. Okay. Cause they said that if you, if you post pictures or you send us like, uh, like photo shoot shots, we'll, Uh you, you, we'll, we might, we might repost it. So my goal was like, I'm going to get on this brand. (laughs) I'm going to do it. So I actually did a photo shoot with Let's the beer, with the, the 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 beard oil that they, they sell, and I actually did it. I got on it, and then what? I'm like, just cut the whole beard off. Anyway, my wife oh, was happy man. after yeah. that. But yeah, I've had a big beard since. Come now on. I just have a gray short beard. So yeah, like, it's, that's, we're in that silver fox era, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a good look for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm moving more into the all white fox. There we go. There we go. It's that Randy Clark anointing. Yeah, I didn't yeah, have any gray hair before I connected with him. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much, Justin, for uh, coming on here. And I uh, just really believe that so many leaders are going to get some, so so many amazing things from this conversation. And so yeah. thank you so much. Thanks so much, on. man. Really appreciate, appreciate you. And thank you so much to all the listeners out there. Thanks again, once again, for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review. And remember, everybody out there has a leader within. So why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.